Well, welcome as we gather together. This is kind of the last of our, we had three in a row, what we call nuts and bolts um, sermons um, that we were plugging in here. And then we're going to launch our, uh, our next series. It's going to be called Vice. Um, I think uh, Testarossas, Fast Music, Flamingos, and things like that. But the truth of the matter is, what does the Bible say about what our freedoms in Christ are and how should we exercise and be living out those freedoms? What does that mean to us in life today? But that's going to be next week, and we are really looking forward to that. There is a lot going on at the Vineyard. I am so excited going into the fall. Um, we've already done a remodel this week that you probably haven't even noticed. Um, they came in, they got it done, they got back out, and that is we got Pastor Isaac an office, we want him to stick around for a while, we thought we ought to have a place for him, and so we're really excited about that. Um, it's just that things seem to be building and building and building. You know, every once in a while people will say to me, but what about this and what about this? Like, Take a deep breath. The Lord has all the whatabouts that you've got coming out of your mouth figured out. Believe it or not, he really does. Right now I'm reading a book called uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, and I would encourage you, it's an old book, but it's an outstanding book that I'm going to use to launch a sermon series as we go into the, the fall and the winter. Um, we're just going to look at Psalm 23, but over and over and over again, this, this uh, book is about, are you trusting the shepherd? Are you trusting a shepherd? Are you going where the shepherd's going? Are you listening to him? Are you letting him care for you? Um, because you don't have to worry about everything else if you've got a good relationship to the shepherd. And the guy that's writing the book is or has been a shepherd for years and years, and it was just an amazing thing. But I want to talk to you about this statement that I found as I was uh, preparing for a message, and it just sunk into my heart, and I thought, this is one of those messages you share and share and share and share. And I want to share this with you as we go in there. We just want to say, come Holy Spirit and be upon us. Challenge us today. Challenge our attitudes. Challenge our lifestyles. Challenge our thought process. God, challenge our laziness so that we might be a people that chases after you today. Amen. As, we, uh, as, we, as I was getting ready for this sermon, and, and, and the sermon here is follow me. It's an invitation from Christ. You say, oh yeah, wow, what about that? Well, hold on. Let's just look at this, okay? Because when I think follow me, I don't know what you think of, but I, I see George Washington in the little boat crossing the Delaware. You know that painting, that famous painting? I, I just see him up front, you know, kind of doing this as he's standing in the bow. I just wish they would put his hand like that, you know, instead. Like, we're going that way, men. But hear the invitation from God to follow me just like back then uh, George Washington says we're going that way in a time when everybody else you know, he wasn't really a good leader you know, per se but they wanted to go that way while he was saying we're going this way and it was getting expensive where people's lives were concerned it, it just was difficult times but again people wanted to run and when we say follow what comes to mind man I was thinking follow the signs you know, back if you're uh, as old as I am, you know, the 60 signs, signs, everywhere there's signs, you know, I, there it is. Follow the yellow brick road. I mean, come on, you can say that and everybody knows what that's a reference to. And if you're in here going, no, no, I don't, okay, then I'm way older than I thought I was, okay, and that's all right. That's okay. But what about, let's just follow these breadcrumbs and you get to where you're going. It's both the metaphor and you can see those little birds doing it. Um, they do that. And then, you know, of course, you know, you're watching a movie and says, hey, Follow that card. But when somebody says, follow me, what's the first thing you think? Because I know the first thing that I think is, where are we going? 
You want me to follow, but where are we going? Time and time again in the scripture, God would tell people, follow me, and he would not tell them where they were going. It was just an issue of trust. Just follow me. That's what we're going to do. And so that, that's, a, that's the story, or that's what we want to look at today. We all want to know where we're going. And I want to take a minute to just touch on that again. It's been a great week. It really has. It has been a great week of just sitting in the presence of God saying, God, what are you about to do? What's going on? Because I feel like I'm just about to step over something or off of something or God is about to do something and I want to be a part of it. And if I'm going to be a part of it, then the first thing I'm going to have to look, like, or look at is what is my relationship to God? Am I living in a right moral relationship to God if I'm going to be a part of what God is doing? And so I'm watching this and thinking this. But Paul says this very thing to the church in Corinth. This is what he says. One sentence opens up, chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What a powerful statement. Follow my example. And what would we say? No, I follow Jesus and that's all there is to it. And don't just, you know, I'm going to follow him. Paul is trying to lay out Jesus for these people. And what he's saying is, I'm doing the best I can. I want to show you what it means to follow Christ. So follow my example, because my example is the way I'm following Jesus. And I want to talk about that statement. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Could you own that? Could you own that statement? Can you say that to somebody? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul's writing the church in Corinth. He's inviting them to do this thing. And it's a statement that Jesus made over and over and over and over again. If you just read nothing but the New Testament, nothing but the, there's one gospel written by four different guys, but it's one gospel, okay? If you read those four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will hear Jesus say over and over again, follow me, come follow me, follow me, leave that, follow me. Constantly he's saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And, and, and when we do that, people would respond to him. People would just be doing something and they would just chuck whatever they're doing and they would follow. Some people would not. He would give them an invitation and say, come and follow me, but they would choose not to. You know you can choose not to? You actually can? Look at this story in Matthew chapter 19. It says, just then a man came up to Jesus and said, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? I woke up this morning. I'm going to stop right there, so just hang that right there. Um, I woke up this morning and this is the thought that was going through my head. Are we ticket Christians are we ticket Christians or are we relationship with God Christians there are a lot of people that will walk up to Jesus come into a church sit in my office interact with other Christians and they say well then what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God what do I have to do to be in what do I have to do this is the real question what do I have to do to escape hell and inside of our hearts, what we're saying is, how much can I get away with and still not have to suffer eternal damnation? What do I do so that I don't have to be licked by flames and fires the rest of eternity? What can I possibly continue in? That's the question that this guy's asking. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Just tell me how to get the ticket so that when I show up in heaven, I can go, Here's the gold. Remember Willy Wonka? Here's the golden ticket. I get to go in. And even that didn't go well for, you know, some of those folks, if you're familiar with the movie, okay, the real one, not the Johnny Depp one, but the real one, okay? All right, if you're familiar. 
But it's that ticket. So this guy comes up to Jesus and wants to buy a ticket. Teacher, what good thing, what good thing, what good thing could you possibly do that would get you into heaven? What good thing? And says, so Jesus answered and said, why do you ask me about what is good? He keys right on it. He replies, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Um, and he says, which ones? And Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. N notice that every once in a while, even the pastor of pastor of pastors doesn't start at the top. He just starts throwing them out there. I I've had people say, well, you know, you know, no, love the Lord your God. It starts there, okay? Love the Lord. It's, it, even the pastor of pastor of pastors started with, hey, you've heard it. You've heard what it was said right here. Uh, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimonies, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And this guy says, I've kept all these since I was young. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, here it comes, follow, come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away and he was very sad because he had great wealth. Jesus is always giving people an opportunity to come follow me. I believe that Jesus is always giving saved people an opportunity to come follow follow me. And this is why. Because we start with Jesus, but then we're supposed to grow deep with Jesus. Okay? And so many times we start with Jesus, but then we stay right there. Why? Because we got our ticket. And God does not want to give you a ticket. He wants to start a dating relationship with you. He wants to take you out to dinner. He wants to wake up with you. He wants to hold your hand during the day. He wants you to cry on his shoulder. He wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to do this. But you can't drag filth and hell into his presence and think that he's going to put his arms around you and answer, you know, there's even one scripture that says, or even hear your prayers. Not going to happen. It's scriptural. It's not Joe Wood. It's Jesus and Paul and where the Holy Spirit's moved in men's life to write these things down. But he tells us to follow him. Now, when I read that story of that man, I need, I need you to understand this. He doesn't tell everybody to do that. Jesus did not tell everybody that he met, listen, leave everything that you've got, don't bring any cash. Leave, you know. He doesn't do that to every single body. He doesn't. He gives specific invitations to specific people, and every one of them is a little bit different than the one before. This man didn't have to give everything he had to the poor. Jesus was just saying, hey, let go of this world, let go of your money, let go of your trust in money, let go of that safety net, let me be your safety net, trust me to be me, not to do what you want me to do, but trust me to be me and follow me. That's what he was saying. And I love that. Come, follow me. And I want to share these things. Come, follow me is an invitation. It's an invitation. I love invitations. Yesterday, my wife and I were, I gave her an invitation. She was with the Mooching Girls, college students. If you're a traditional college student, dinner at my house. Homemade apple pie. Okay? There was seven of them. I'm just letting you know, there's only six now. But I was told six should do it. Bruce, if you're watching this from wherever you are in Pikeville, I do have to walk a couple extra laps tomorrow. Okay, I'll just confess right now. But we, we pulled in from being out running around and just holding hands and being together. 
and uh, parked the car, got out, and I noticed that some friends of mine were, I mean, uh, some neighbors of mine were walking up the, the road. We can say hey to these neighbors, we can go look at their flowers, we can shake hands with these neighbors, we can enjoy these neighbors. They're neighbors like you've got, right? But you don't invite them into your house, you've never had dinner with them, whatever. And I just said to Jan, um, Jan I said, hey, can I invite them in for one of those pies? <laughs> I wanted pie. Um, and sometimes if you say, I need to do this for Jesus because those people need to come into our house, you know, you get what you want. It's kind of like being three, you know, and trying to manipulate your mom. Um, but anyway, I just simply said, hey, can I? And she's like, hey, we've got an extra pie. Invite them in. So I went over, older couple, retired, and I said, hey, you guys want to come on in? I gave them an invitation, not only into my house to what Andy Stanley would call the foyer, the, the beginning of my life, I took them all the way into the kitchen. And we sat down in the kitchen with pie, and intimate things happen in our kitchen. Don't get carried away. But, um, I mean, intimate conversations and relationships happen. People open up their souls in our kitchen. People will, will, will say honest things in our kitchen. But it was that invitation. And I could tell as soon as I said to the husband, hey, would you guys like to come in? We're going to split this apple pie, and, and we're going to have some apple pie and maybe a little bit of ice cream with it. I would love for you to come in. They were like, well, yes, we will come to your house, and, and we'll talk about apple pie, and we'll visit it. And we had a wonderful hour, hour and a half with them. An invitation is a very, very powerful thing. Hey, would you come to my birthday party? A little three-year-old girl in a coffee shop one time walked right up to me and said, guess what? What? I'm going to be three in four days. Four. Four days, I'm going to be three. I'm having a party. I'm going to have a birthday party. I want you to come to my birthday party. Does your mother know this? Yes, she was lying. Her mother did not know this. Okay? I did not go to the birthday party, but it was not because I was offended or anything, just on a day that I could not attend. An invitation from a three-year-old just will melt your heart. It's a powerful thing. Greatest invitation you ever got. Think about it for a second. What was it? Greatest invitation you ever got. Most incredible invitation I ever received was from a man named Kevin Clark and Jimmy Fields. 2009, in the winter, you've heard this story, they said, come, follow me. No, they didn't, they didn't. They said, come to our house. We want to have coffee. We want to talk to you. And we talked about planting a vineyard in Richmond. And my brain just because of the invitation and I knew what it was about, began to race and do all kinds of amazing things. And it was just, it was just awesome to get this invitation and, and to come in and hear them say, sit down, we want to talk to you about leading this church plant. Because when you get an invitation, it means you've been chosen. You've been picked. Come join my team. Come be here. When you get an invitation, it means you're good enough. You're good enough. Come. It means somebody wants me in. Where did you ever get an invitation that somebody wanted you in? Let me, let me, let me do this just a little bit. Who did you ever give an invitation to to make somebody else feel wanted in instead of waiting for the invitation? Who have you extended an invitation to to have apple pie in your kitchen your neighbor somebody at work who is that 
But every one of us should be able to say to the people around us, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So when we're giving people an invitation, that is the ultimate invitation that we can give them. Follow my example. Let's talk about Jesus. Come to my church. Um, let's get plugged into a small group. You need a sense of community. You're out there by yourself. Hey, come sit and just have dinner with my wife and I, my husband and I, uh, with me and my family, with me, um, if, if it's appropriate. But, you know, come have, let's sit down and let's talk. And then follow my example as I follow the example of Christ because I want to introduce you to him. What keeps you from sharing that particular invitation with people. Biblical knowledge? Oh, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. I don't have enough biblical knowledge. Listen, if you'll just stop theologizing like this, well, I'll tell you what I think. Stop doing that. Stop, I think. Okay? That is really, that, that's a bad way to start a theological discussion. Okay? Instead say, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Do that! and invite them into a conversation and watch what happens. Is it fear of looking weird? Man, we're supposed to look a little bit weird. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we don't conform to the pattern of this world. We should look a, a little bit different. We should act a little bit different. The words that come out of our mouth should be sanitized to a greater degree than the world's. Or maybe you're just like, Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm just not following. I don't know. I'm just not following. 2018 for us is a year of going deeper. It's supposed to be a year of us going deeper. You know what the difference between a shallow Christian and a deep Christian is? It's knowing and doing. That's all there is to it. Honest to goodness, it's, that's all there is to it. It's knowing and doing. Are you a knower of a word, the word, or are you just a, 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 a doer of the word, or are you a knower and a doer? See, we're supposed to learn the word so that we can do the word, and so many times we come to church, and this is as far as we get. We don't go deep. We don't do that. And deeper means that something in my life is going to change. Come follow me means that something is going to change. When I get into a small group and I begin to learn and I begin to say, okay, I'm not I think I feel and I'm staying here, but hey, if that's what the Bible says, how should it change who I am? Has your relationship gotten deeper and you've gotten into a small group? Listen to me, seriously. When I dreamed about planting this church after that initial meeting, the first thing I knew I wanted to do is I wanted to plant a church of small groups. It's not just semantics. It's not just words. I want to create a group where people will come away from their sin and try to grow deeper in Jesus. And as they're growing deeper in Jesus, they're growing deeper in community. They can honestly come in and be honest with the struggles that they're going through, but they will not stay in the struggles that they're going through. I don't want, I can't help people that don't want to change their circumstance or their sin. I can't. I got nothing for you, really. Find another place. But if you want to grow in Jesus, man, have I got something for you. A small group that you could call at 2 o'clock in the morning when things are a struggle and you don't have to worry about being judged by them, but you will be surrounded and challenged to get up out of the mire, out of the pit, and stand on solid rock. We want to be a church of small groups. Going deeper for you in 2018 should look like you joined a small group. It should. It really should. 
small groups around here are a blast. I know sometimes they're like, it's a snore. I get that. Sometimes what we're studying in that chapter is like, oh man, I taught this in Sunday school when it's back in 1902, you, know, you know, however old you are, you know, it's like, we know that. But sometimes you just kind of go through this stuff over again and it's all right. Let me ask you this, where do you serve? You know, we started um, linking arms with uh, the, the Salvation Army. We got this thing called Soup for You, okay? They wanted to call it No Soup for You, but it's like, that's kind of anti what we're doing, isn't it? Like, we're Jesus, here's some soup, not, hey, we're Jesus, no soup for you, okay? No, 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 we're soup for you, okay? But once a, once a week, on Tuesdays, we go over to the Salvation Army, and, and that's a place for you to plug in. You don't have to do it every single Tuesday, but it's like I told somebody else, I said, man, I just feel like I'm not growing. And, and I said to them, let me ask you a question. Where do you serve other people in your life on a regular basis? Because until you're doing that, you're knowing and you're not doing. And soup for you is one of those things that you can do. Today, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this, okay? As we look at this idea that Jesus says, come and follow me, it's an invitation. I want you to know that today God chooses you. He chooses you. Some of you, he chooses to follow this worship leader right here. Some of you, he chooses to follow our small group leader. Some of you, he chooses to get into a small group so you can grow. Some of you, he chooses that you should be taking Vineyard Institute, wrapping up your college degree and going to a seminary, um, looking at what it means to go into mission, worldwide mission. God chooses you. He does not leave you. He chooses you. But as we talk about God choosing you, think about your own relationship to Christ and going deeper. Who's your best friend in the whole world? What's her name? As a result of you knowing that person, have they been drawn closer to Jesus in the last 12 months because of, because of their relationship with you? Can you give them that invitation? Come and follow me as I, my example as I follow the example of Christ. Or does it all stop when you leave this building? Think about it for a second. Because today, if you'll hear it, if you'll believe it, God chooses you. Listen to him say, come, follow me. Listen to this, though. You can't go with God and stay where you are at the same time. You cannot gain a future if you're going to cling to the past. God says through Isaiah, and I landed on this church right here, God, make it sink in. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm going to do a new thing in you. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm going to take your life that's been an absolute waste. I'm going to take the corners that the, the Scripture would say in the Old Testament that we did not plow up, that have become infertile and infested. God is saying, I'm going to send water and things are going to spring up and it's going to be beautiful, but you've got to put it in my hands. You can't bring your sin with you. You've got to let go of what happened behind you. 
You've got to let go of the things that you intentionally did. You've got to be willing to let go of the things that happened to you. Learn from them and move forward. If you are anchored in the past, you will never move into the future. It is not going to happen. And most of the time, we can't change what happened to us. I had to learn a lesson. Joe Wood, at 45 years old, could not go back and save Joe Wood at 4 and 5 years old and fix what went wrong or what happened to him. I couldn't do it. And I had to have a therapist look me in the eye and say that to me until I understood it. I'm not saying we don't deal with it. I'm not saying we don't cry with it. I'm just saying that is not our identity and it does not need to be a part of every conversation that we ever have. But we are human beings and we've been hurt. And we want justice and we want closure and we want vengeance and guess what? You're never going to get it on this earth. So the Lord said, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. So put it in His hands. Lord, I was hurt. I need to give this to You and let You deal with it however You want to. Next part of that invitation, come follow me, suggests that people are actually going somewhere. We're going somewhere. If we're going somewhere, someone has a vision, someone has a word from God to lead and take us. And that is one of the things that landed on me heavily where this church is concerned. But the same thing is true of your relationship to Jesus Christ. He knows where you're going. If Jesus gives you an invitation, he already has a plan. Book of Proverbs chapter 29 beginning at verse 18 or verse 18 says where there is no prophetic vision where there is no vision where there is no revelation depending on your, your the people will perish but happy is he who keeps the law God usually gives a vision to an individual and says now let's go do this and surrounds him with people that buy into it and then they're going somewhere he did it with Noah he did it with Abraham he did it with Mo, jo, uh, Joseph he did it with Moses he did it with Gideon he did it with Samson he did it with Samuel, he did it with David, he did it with Paul. I got mine from Kevin Clark that, that finally did that. But even before that, back when I was 30 years old, I got it from Lloyd and Judy Hartman. The Lord spoke to them and they spoke to me and they laid it on my heart and they would not let me run away from it. Joe, God has called you to be a pastor. And as we planted this church and as this church has been through some stuff, in and out. We've seen God do some great things. I believe it is because we've stuck to the vision. And finally, follow me means that you have a choice. You have a choice. You don't have to follow Jesus. Just like the young man that Jesus said, this is great. Man, you must be holy. Man, you must be religious. You must be right. So if, if you're so right, sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and jump into full-time ministry. And this guy said, I don't think so. Because in the Greek it says he took his face off his head and cast it down to the ground. The word in the Greek is that picture. His face was downcast. He chucked his countenance to the floor and walked away. Why did he walk away? Because when we have more, it takes more of God to convince us to give it up. And when we don't have more, <laughs> there's a whole lot more hope out there than whatever it is that I've got, so I'm going for the hope. See? And this guy was, the scripture says, very wealthy. See? He didn't want to give it up. And Jesus said, you just got to let go of this world, man. He didn't say you couldn't have nice things. He said they can't be more important than me. And Jesus will come in and say, hey, I'm going to keep scratching this thing right here 
I'm going to scratch this person you're in a relationship with. I'm going to scratch your money. I'm going to scratch your, um, your retirement. I'm going to scratch your idea of retirement. I'm going to scratch your idea of what it means to follow me. I'm going to scratch you and scratch you and scratch you until you finally are so uncomfortable, you're just like, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Just stop it. I've got people in my life there. Believe it or not, Pastor Justin, that's where he was. He was like, no, God, I'm not going into pastoral ministries. I'm done. He cut that tree down. I drew the picture and showed him that it grew back up. Actually, he had a prophetic vision, and I drew the prophetic vision for him. But he cut the tree down and said, it's over, Lord. I'm not going into ministry. I'm going into Parks and Rec, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And that's not going to happen if you're in Parks and Rec right now. Don't get any ideas about being a millionaire. Not going to happen. But anyway, and he said, I'm not going into full-time ministry. It's not going to happen. Then he got hired here. And you know that story. He's leading a church over in Frankfurt now. You don't think God will scratch that itch? But it means you have a choice. Jesus didn't say they had to. They could have followed somebody besides Jesus. John had his whole slew of disciples. John did. And even John said, I have to become less and he has to become more. There is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. And his disciples were like, we're out of here, John. You're a loser. He's the one. (laughs) Not really, but pretty close. And that had to be okay. That didn't mean John didn't stop doing what John was called to do. It just means John didn't compare himself to anybody else. And that's all right. Come as you are is a whole lot different than stay as you are. So when God says, come follow me, he's not saying stay as you are. And you can't, you may not stay as you are. But you can come as you are if you're willing to come away from the sin. Jesus doesn't want our baggage. What? Jesus doesn't want your baggage any more than you want your baggage. Listen to me. That's why he paid for our sins so we could leave our baggage at his cross. He paid for your baggage. But I promise you, the night before he was arrested, he did not want your baggage. He cried out to his dad and said, if there is any other way for this to take place, let's do that. He said, don't take my word for it. Look it up in your Bible. He did not want your baggage. But at the end of the day, he was willing to pay so that you didn't have to go to hell. Jesus told the rich man to sell everything. He got rejected. Some people come, some people run. It's just the way it works. Paul's invitation is the same one I share with you today. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. God calls, God surrounds, God equips, God sends. It's obvious that Paul was was faithful. Paul was successful. The mission will only be successful to the degree that we're sold out. Can you imagine if I took, you know, some of you that have been with us for a long time, and God bless you and thank you for being faithful, but if I took some of you and said, okay, now here's the deal. I want you to go out two by two by two by two by two. I just want you to spend a week on the road, just walking around, knocking on doors, sleeping in the, you know, the, the yard, or if they'll let you sleep in the house, that's great. But just knock on the door and say, I want to tell you about, Joe, Pastor Joe, I ain't doing that. Well, that's what we're going to do as a church now. Well, I'm going to Baptist church. They don't do that there. They just knock on the door and go home. I don't want to sleep in anybody's yard. I don't want to sleep in their garage. I'm going to sleep in their house. But that's what Jesus' disciples did. Jesus took 72 people and said, I want you to go out two by two by two by two. I want you to spend some time out there testifying and telling them that the kingdom of God is coming and that there's healing and there's restoration and, and, and just get them woke up spiritually and then come back and tell me what happened. Then he did it again with the 12. See? 
What if we started doing that? What if we bought into the mission like they did? Do you think they were scared? Yes, they were scared. Do you think they were uncomfortable? Yes, they were uncomfortable. Do you think it made them nervous? Yes, it made them nervous. I just picture Paul and Andrew, I mean, Peter and Andrew walking up to a door. And by the time Peter knocks on the door, Andrew's back there going, you, you go ahead and do it, man. Just go ahead and go ahead. I'm going to stand back in and watch. God wants me to support you, brother. Go ahead and tell them the truth. Tell them the truth, you know. You know, kind of how some of you do. Pastor, I'll bring them in, but I'm not talking to them. You talk to them. It's like, yeah, I'll catch the fish or I'll bait the hook, but I'm not pulling them out of the water. No, no, no. Yeah, you can do it. What's your relationship to Jesus? That's all they need to know. What has Jesus done in your life? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ suggests that you're living a life worth imitating. If people imitate your life, will they go to heaven or will they go to hell? If people imitate your life today, are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? Because that's a big question. It's a big one. It's one I wrestle with. If this church is going to move forward, it's going to have to decide, are we going to be a country club of sinners excusing their sin? Or are we going to be a church of redeemed sinners inviting other sinners to come and get the free bread, come as you are, but don't stay that way. And it all starts with the attitude that's in here. That's where it starts. You get to choose, but know this, your holiness and your lifestyle dictates how this church is going to unfold. Where are we going? Because I'm here to tell you this morning, come, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. In 2010, follow me, camera. I'll stay in the light, I understand. I stood right there in front of that blue wall with my grandson on my shoulders. Put it up there. That's where I was, that's, that's literally that spot right there at the end of the ramp. That's that spot. And I asked 200 people, 230 people, Follow me as I follow the example of Christ because Jesus wants to turn this into the Richmond Mercy Center. Man in the back said, I, I was just hemming and hawing trying to figure out how we're going to rent the building because it was, it was uh, 15,000 square feet. And finally somebody in the back said, well, how much money is it going to take? I hate talking about money. But that picture, I look at it because it reminds me of the faithfulness of God. We went from there to here to here to there, and we're going that way next. That's what God's called us to. That was 2010, that picture. That was where we sold the vision that this whole mall needs to be the Richmond Mercy Center. And then in 2015, we went to Penny's before the Bluegrass Army Depot rented that thing. We vacuumed it, we cleaned it, and we had a pulse at the blue, uh, up there at the pennies, and there was over 400 people there. Biggest pulse we have ever had in the nine years that we have been a church took place that night because God said, go to Mount Gerizim. And that's Mount Gerizim right there. And there was 400 people and baptisms and worship and, and it was just noisy with the Holy Spirit. Noisy. The short-term version, vision of who we are is we're headed to pennies. The long-term vision is what I want us to get ready for. 
while we're headed to pennies, we need to understand that the vision of God is that this is the Richmond Mercy Center. That we have been called to this place. Do you see what that says? Where heaven touches humanity through you. Not through me, not through the building, not through publications, not through the new small group book. People to people. And we have to be a people that can give an invitation and we can say, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. But we have got to start opening our mouth and giving that invitation. Because I envision that when it's cold outside, that there might be a men's shelter up there and a women's shelter down there instead of people freezing out on the railroad tracks. I believe that we can open up, not because I'm going to dictate it, but because somebody's going to come forward and say, well, if this building can be filled with 501c3s, that means nonprofits. why can't we put the food bank in here and all of the churches can, can feed into that thing and it can be a one-stop shopping. Come in here and get your, your GED. Come in here and get your English as a second language. Come in here and get counseling. Come in here because there's a, a daycare for your children. Come in here because there's counseling come in here because there's spiritual prayer and ministry that takes place come into the richmond mercy center and then on sunday come to the vineyard or go to the baptist church or go to east side or go across town to any of the churches that are chasing after jesus and not feeding their ego because this is not about Joe Wood. It's about an invitation from Paul that he got from Jesus that says, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And God, help me. So help me. Kill me if I get in the way. If I die tomorrow, you know I'm in the way. <laughs> but I'm honestly serious about that. And that's been my cry all week. A heart attack whatever and I'm off the planet and I'm home where I want to be and God can take care of my family but I do not want to get in the way of what's supposed to happen here but I do want you to get involved in what's supposed to happen here and that's going to happen when you buy into that vision of that banner that you saw up there that's not official but it's pretty close and it looks pretty good and when it came to me from the graphic designer I cried here's my problem Fill the church, fill the church, embrace the promise of God that we're going over there and that this whole mall belongs to us. Fill the church, embrace the promise. Fill the church, embrace the promise. Not embrace the promise and fill the church. It's the other way around and we have to get involved. I had somebody prophetically pray over me five years ago, six years ago. And they said, I'm telling you right now, that church is going to grow up to 1,800, 2,000 people. And that's why we're going over there is to get ready. I don't need to be the biggest church in Richmond. That would not be the biggest church in Richmond as we keep growing with these other churches. There's only one church. We just gather together in different buildings on Sunday morning. There's only one church. It's bigger than 2,000. But I can tell you right now, I want to be part of a group of people in the name of Jesus Christ that are having the biggest impact. I want that. We need 2,000 people. We need a million dollars. It's not that much money. It's a whole bunch of tens. 
I right? Is that not the truth? It's a whole bunch. I can bring a banker up here right now. And I say, is that a whole bunch of tens? He'd be saying, that's a whole bunch of tens. But it's $10. It's people being faithful to tithe. That's all it is. I'm not up here saying, give me money, give me money. I want, I want. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Madison County needs Jesus. And we have been planted in this building to take it over to bring them Jesus. Not to bring them Joe, not to bring them Vineyard, to bring them Jesus. And I want to do it linked together with other churches in this county. So it's going to be 501c3s that we don't own. We just provide space so that they can come in and minister. And you can be a part of anything that you want to be a part of. Here's the scary part. I don't have a clue how we're going to do it. I don't. But I hired that guy. And with all due respect, I thought that was a really smart move. I'm telling you right now. I'm not trying to blow his head up. I'm just telling you that was a really smart move. I hired that lady right there. She doesn't come till October, but she's coming on board. Leah Jasper is. She's going to be the director of operations. It's going to be great. Something is about to happen. But you have to go all in. You have to pray. You have to invite people. We need you to choose to tithe. We need people who will sacrificially give. We need to buy into this vision that God wants to take this Philistine piece of property, turn it into the homeland of the ministry of Jesus Christ in Madison County. And I want to invite you in there. Beyond that, I feel like an idiot. I don't have a clue how it's going to happen. I will tell you I cry out because I'm tired of waiting. Who are you going to invite to church next week? Oh, see, it has to start there. Did Jesus save your soul? Did you surrender your life to Jesus? It's got to start there. You've got to understand that Christ, He's conscripted you. You're in the mission. Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring? Who are you going to say, follow me as I follow the example of Christ? Listen, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you've never been baptized, we're doing it tonight. Make it public. Man, put your Jesus boots on and, and get up out of that tub and let's go. Invite them all. Lots of people will say no. Don't be discouraged. They said no to Jesus. But we're on a mission. And I want to encourage you, God, if you'll accept it, chooses you today. These people are up here to pray for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what part has touched you. I don't know what part made you mad. I'm so sick and tired. Come up here and leave that with Jesus. Don't send me an email. <laughs> we want to pray for whatever you're going through because... God cares about your wants as much as He cares about your needs. And I'm learning a big lesson in Jesus this week about how He's touched my life and blessed me. And I want Him to bless you. Let's come to our feet. These people are up here to pray with you. And they want to pray with you, man. Don't leave this building without being touched by heaven.